Well, once again, we find ourselves here on a Saturday morning. It is time for the Cummins Real Estate Group Show. Saturday morning, and it's time for the Cummins Real Estate Group show with Michelle Cummins and myself, Curtis Pope. And if my calendar is correct, because I'm writing it down now, it's a fun fact Saturday. You got it right, Curtis. I just made that up. I had no idea what it was. (laughs) Well, you're right. So let's go with that. All right. Well, let's go with it. (laughs) We've got, or I've got eight real estate trivia questions for you. I'm going to actually end it with tiny homes. Interesting, fun fact. So eight trivia questions and our guest John is here and I'm going to ask John and Curtis to see if you know any of these answers to these questions. I already know I probably don't. Who doesn't love spot? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so one, which restaurant could actually be considered one of the best real estate portfolios in the world? I'm going to say McDonald's. Bingo, you got it. McDonald's started as a single burger joint, but instead of flipping burgers for their profits, McDonald's decided to franchise out the business, buy the land of all the locations, and have the franchise do the work while they reap the benefits. Okay, question number two. Which Canadian company owns the most real estate across our great nation? Superstore. Good guess, but nope. Eh. Curtis, do you have an answer? Um, <laughs> Tim Hortons. Eh, good guess, but it's actually CP Rail. Oh, Here okay. in Canada, CP Rail is the largest landowner in the country. The railways and former railways, now trail systems, span all across our great country. So three, which famous home is worth more, the Home Alone house or the Friends apartment? I don't know where the Home Alone house is. Uh, the Friends apartment was in New York. Right? New York? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go to the Friends apartment. Yay, you got it. <laughs> Streamers. <laughs> uh, okay, next question. Listings with these two descriptive words have been found to sell 15% faster and for 5% more money than listings without these two descriptive words. What are they? Near liquor store. <laughs> no? No. That's not it? No. Oh, that's three words. Sorry. <laughs> it's beautiful and gorgeous. Oh, okay. Nice descriptive word. Near liquor store helps too. <laughs> That's funny. What is the top selling house color? Uh, uh, red. John, do you have a guess? White. Mm, it's yellow. Yellow homes sell more. Yellow tones are happy. They make a potential buyer feel good. And it's about emotions and connecting those emotions. And, you know, we're humans. We have them. So yellow, it makes you happy. Okay. Research shows that more than how much percentage of Canadians own their home? Is it 50%, 67%, or 25%? 50%. Mm. 67%? By default. <laughs> and what is the average age of a first time home buyer in Canada? Is it 25, 29, or 31? I'm going to say 31. 29. You got it, John. It's 29. I'm 29 forever, just so you know. Yeah, we've talked about that. We're in our <laughs> extremely late 20s. <laughs> That's right. Okay, last trivia question. This is a good one. Think your home is small? The average home in most developing countries is how many square feet? Guesses. 90. 
Ooh, that's a good guess, but very close. 125. No, a little over shot there, Curtis, but it is 75% or 75 square feet. Can you believe it? Can you imagine living and eating and sleeping, you know, your whole family in something smaller than some bedrooms? I think like, the control room hears about that. <laughs> yeah, actually, you're probably right. Probably. No, it's, it's probably 125 square feet. Probably. <laughs> and that trivia question uh, leads me into tiny homes. So tiny homes in the Fraser Valley. Okay, the tiniest home that I know of right now is actually in Abbotsford. So actually, uh, before we talk about that, did you know that tiny homes, there was um, an application uh, to propose for BC housing for an intentional tiny homes community in Abbotsford on a property uh, in rural Abbotsford? It's ALR zoned and they're actually um, applying for it. They want to create a little little tiny home community, which is interesting. I don't know where they're at in that, um, but I have to find out. If anybody knows, please let me know. And what uh, are the strata rates going to be for tiny homes if it's on a community I like wonder. that? I wonder. I know. It'll be interesting. <laughs> Your $10? strata rates are 20 bucks a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not Compared. another mobile home park, is it? <laughs> no. And that's the thing, too, is this tiny home in Abbotsford that's on the market right now is off 2nd Avenue in Abbotsford. It's listed by my Abbotsford office, uh, Remax Little Oak, and it's actually only 12 feet wide, and it's a new home, and it's built. It's not a mobile home. It's not. I have a client and friend who has uh, builds tiny homes in sea cans. Like, there's some interesting tiny homes out there. Is but- that one? T- I think I've seen the one on Second Avenue there because it's very, very slim. Yes, and it's right on uh, on, on on the road there. Actually, I, yeah, and, yeah, as you're going down uh, to the yeah, border, it's on, like it's on border. Sumas and like Second kind of thing. Right yeah. that corner. It's a, it's wide. it's intriguing. I'd kind of like to look inside that place. Yeah, well, I can show it to you anytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I can move my family into a tiny home. No, it's actually uh, 1,564 square feet of size inside of living space because there's it's a two-story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, the actual lot is only 3,752 square feet. So it's a very uh, thin but long lot, longer yeah. than it is thin. But okay, so I wanted to introduce John, our guest here today, our first-time guest. Um, he is owner and founder of Thomas Drafting. And uh, they remove stress and workload on your next project. Seriously, you could save money with comprehensive design and 3D modeling. They work with design professionals, developers, contractors, realtors, and homeowners. And Build Magazine has awarded Thomas Drafting as winner of the 2019 Home and Garden Award. So thank you very much for coming on, John, and answering my trivia questions. Oh, it's a pleasure being here, Michelle. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> You're welcome. Absolutely. And I wanted to uh, ask you, so the uh, listeners know, what got you into the business and, and drafting and, and what you do for people? Oh, I love building. I love seeing creations come to life ever since I was little. And uh, I'm one of the lucky few that wanted to know where I wanted to go ever since I was small. That's hard when they ask you what do you want to do when you grow up and you have three answers and you know. Yeah, I wanted to be an architect. I just didn't know how to spell it. Oh, well, <laughs> well, that's I don't know how to spell architect either. Uh, <laughs> but was it one of those things like in, in junior high too? Do you have to do that thing where you do like all the different, uh, you know, courses, woodworking, metalwork, drafting and all that kind of stuff too? Oh yeah. A lot of fun doing all those different so, courses. So then you got to drafting and went, this is my thing. Oh, totally. Sitting there trying to figure out how to design. Let somebody else build it. <laughs> so creative. Who, who's some of your favorite architects and designers out there? Uh, who inspired you? Probably Antonio Gaudi was one of my favorite architects that yeah. I studied. And uh, just some of his crazy uh, forms, his, his natural forms that he'd come up with. 
Oh, I have to look into some of that. Well, I've heard of him. And it's fascinating because different um, designers and different architects, they can design something and then all of a sudden it becomes a whole thing like, you know, Art Deco stuff, right? It's still around how many years later? There's still these buildings and stuff and things that were Art Deco design from like the 30s. So it can have a real lasting power. Absolutely, or it can be subjective and be torn down next week. That's true, too. It looks great. Love it. Next year, no, <laughs> not a fan. Not like the pyramids. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so when is an architect required for people? I was. Yeah, so an architect would be required anything that's over three stories in height, and it has a certain type of occupancy that uh, maybe it's an assembly or a, a place that people gather, worship. Maybe mm. it's a large mercantile or restaurant or a office space and it has to be above 6,000 square feet so you need quite a large building over three stories in size with a certain type of occupancy in order to make sure that the occupants are protected inside anything under that uh, can be done by technologists architectural technologists or designers that can work in part nine of the building code and you have some great projects you've done on your website which is a great website by the way thank you very much very user-friendly it's got lots of good information on there people like seeing pictures it really helps sometimes, doesn't it? Just a picture alone can help guide people a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. We're visual beings. Yeah. And you do floor plans and everything. Because I find so many people like have their home, but they don't have floor plans. And they might, they're thinking about maybe doing some renovations or, you know, it's just nice to have a, an actual professional floor, floor plan. And you do that in 3D modeling. Correct? Absolutely. Yeah. We, we implement a total BIM, building information, modeling workflow. Everything we do is in three dimensions, which makes it easy. I even have a hard time reading two-dimensional floor plans and can miss items. But when you look at it in 3D space, it really helps solve a lot of problems. It does make a huge difference. Do you also call that like dollhouse? Is, is that... Yeah, you could call it like dollhouse modeling, but I don't like to say I play with dollhouses all day long. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's something that I want to know because I don't know what it is, and I know you must have the answer for it. What's an architectural technologist? Uh, It's it's somebody that has not yet become an architect and is on his way. Uh, So he studies uh, or she studies uh, building envelope sciences and the code, the building code, whatever jurisdiction they're in, and puts it together so that you're able to build a building. Aha. Uh-huh. And talking about building codes, uh, what are some of the latest, most significant building code changes that have happened lately? There is a lot of talk about energy efficiency and getting to net zero, build, net yeah. zero buildings in 2030. And we're still trying to figure out how to get there. Oh, that's going to take a while, isn't it? It is. So I guess it's a constant challenge, too, with changes in codes and things like that of, all right, now how do we work to incorporate these changes into our plans, which we obviously have to because it becomes law. Absolutely. And, you know, we're constantly trying to take new courses and study new material and, and keep up to it, but it's changing very fast now. And even the developers and contractors, they're having to uh, bring on new technologies into sites new types of materials, uh, engineered products. Building science has definitely come a long way in the last 20 years. Now, Michelle briefly touched on your website there. If people want to check out the pictures and see some of the designs and things you've done, what's your website address? www.thomasdrafting.ca. That's nice and easy. And Michelle, once again, what's your email address or your website address or any of people want to get a hold of you? Michelle with one L, CumminsNoG.ca. And they can find all your contact info there. Yes, you got it. There you go. We're back with more right after this.
And we are back with segment number two of the Cummins Real Estate Group show with Michelle Cummins and myself, Curtis Pope, and our special guest, we have uh, John here from Thomas Design. Now, where does the Thomas come in? Oh, it's uh, my middle name, Curtis. It's your middle name. Okay. <laughs> so it's like the whole uh, you know soap opera thing where you take your first name and your middle name, and that's your name. Well, that way, when a disgruntled customer is asking for the owner and really wants something done, I can just say that he's not in right now. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> I should have thought that when I named my company. Uh, well, yeah, you should have said it's Richard Cummins. Richard. <laughs> and Richard would have had an answer. <laughs> Not that we have disgruntled customers. Exactly. No, I imagine that's probably, I mean, some people are going to have, uh, you know, some ideas in that. But I guess that's one probably sort of nice thing about doing drafting because you're working on what they want. So they might come back with changes and stuff like that. But for the most part, you should be giving people pretty much what they want, I guess. You know, and it's really invasive because you have to ask some personal questions. Do you have kids? Are you planning on having more kids? You know, what are your plans for this space and in the future? It can be really personal getting into all those details. It's people's homes. And so it goes right into the heart. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's something that they're uh, putting a, you know, a lot of money and time and effort into. So they must, they, I, I imagine it would be a good collaborative effort though, for the most part. Absolutely. You know, it's design is give and take and there's, a lot of conflicts that come up in that, trying to get your space just the way you want it because it's hard. You can't get everything you want. Yeah, and sometimes you think you want something in the beginning and then it becomes something else as, you, as the process. Absolutely, you as it through. evolves. What's the most questions you receive from customers? Probably what can I build? I, they come in with an idea but don't know if they're allowed to do what they want to do. So it's a matter of kind of investigating into the zoning and the building bylaw and making sure that we can meet the setbacks and get the use out of their property that they want at the end of the day. Okay. And you work with a lot of developers and, and uh, contractors as well as realtors. What are the most questions you get from, from that? Density. Side? A lot of density questions. And mm. how, can we get, how many units can we get uh, on the property? And then there's a lot of other really technicals about geotechnical reports and what the soils are like and arborists and many other different uh, trades that come So you have to be really savvy about all all the zoning, the bylaws, and everything in different municipalities and different areas that you build. Have you ever built a tiny home? As we were talking about that earlier. We we haven't built a tiny home, but we have done some pro bono down south in in Guyana and uh, looked at tiny homes, less than 300 square foot. And um, that was an interesting process that we were working for a, a small community trying to come up with some unique designs for them. So you design under, what? yeah, tiny homes, like the one in Abbotsford here. It's 12 feet wide, which is tiny. It's not very wide, but it's still like 1,500 or whatnot square feet. That, that's still big. It's not 300 square feet. So, And what's these uh, bylaws uh, for secondary or tiny homes uh, in, in our area? Like how, uh, how, what do you have to stay under? Yeah, so here, days? if you want to do a secondary suite, it's usually attached to your principal dwelling. It's uh, 90 meters, so 968 square feet. That's the biggest mm. you can go for a secondary suite here uh, in, in British Columbia. And if you want to go with a laneway or a cottage house on your property, those rules are a little bit different, and it's part of the zone, so it's a matter of making sure that we can fit that size in. But it's usually under 1,000 square feet. Still bigger than the average 75 square feet or the tiny homes in the, in the world. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And of course, I imagine every municipality, every city has different rules about things too. So you probably have to dig deep because Richmond probably has a different rule than Vancouver, which has a different rule than Abbotsford when it comes to probably laneway houses, for example. Oh, 100%. And even in the municipality, the different zones have different requirements and setbacks. So even there, you could have a couple different designs. <laughs> so people should ask you like... Uh, 
you know, what's their building, how does their building that they're wanting you to design fit into the BC building code? Would be a good question for them to ask. And so they know right off the bat and you know right off the bat what to design. Uh, those are some of the first questions. We Before we even sit down and, and talk about fees or how to go forward, we have a, a cons- consultation meeting and we just discuss the ideas and do all that research up front so that we know what type of scope of work we can get into. And when does the BC Building Code apply? It applies basically if you're going to alter your building. For anything, like any kind of a renovation, you're going to take down a wall or redesign yeah, your space. Anything that's, that's structural, existing. anything that mm-hmm. deals with electrical or plumbing. It's not so concerned about interior finishes, but it's concerned more about the building structure, the bones of the structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always have it checked for... Uh, <laughs> You don't want to take down a structural wall. Yeah. If you need a building permit, you should make sure you conform to code. And usually it, yeah. inside that, if you don't touch it and it's already existing, then you'll be okay. And when you sell, the buyers are going to want to know and you should be able to supply that you got the permits for any renovations done. So yeah. it's with, important. With aerial imagery, imagery these days, mm-hmm. the cities know when you've done something that you shouldn't have. I was wondering... What's like your favorite or what, what's something you've designed that you're really proud of or, or something that, what's the favorite thing you've ever designed? I know that's a hard question, but um, oh, maybe so one of. It, it's definitely taken me for a, a throw here, but I'm going to go back to when I was like 13, 14 in the trees, building a tree house. Oh, neat. Just let your mind flow because we didn't have rules and regulations. So you just didn't do your standard tree fort. You actually drafted yours out, did you? Oh, yeah, we drafted (laughs) it out, played with it, and (laughs) reworked it. But uh, lately, probably my favorite thing to design is is working with um, homeowners and doing some curb appeal and getting that space that they want inside because they want a new secondary suite or get their in-laws to live with them. And and those can be really emotional discussions, and they're the most rewarding at the end of the day. You're really house and home and, you know, so many people need to live with with their family members like um, multifamily home living is so important now with, uh, you know, prices and things like that. And people just want to support their their parents and and the parents want to support the kids and be together and, you know, like little house in the prairie days, you know, (laughs) where where they they all lived uh, close together and all that. I like that. Being my family's sort of spread apart, I I like uh, the multiple family living. Um, I was going to ask you about... Little House in the Prairie. I'm still lost on that (laughs) reference. Like, how many people are in your family? Little House in the Prairie for your family would be 17 houses on the homestead. 75 square foot homestead. Yeah, because you have like 27 family members. Yeah, I know. And they're all (laughs) great, amazing. (laughs) Time to test out the tiny home theory. Yeah. No, I have clients that uh, I actually, I'm going to give them your contact information because they are going to be building a whole bunch of tree houses in the property they just built. And it's going to be just fantastic. So I'm de- that's that's great. A treehouse would be good on your property. Yeah, you yeah. Know, you got all those trees and a lot of trees actually. And mm-hmm. you know, Richard could build a studio in one of them, and you'd never see them. Got to check my trees. I think you have to have certain style trees in order to support the treehouse, right? Yeah, you a would certain. Need, uh, yeah. Hmm. Well, the point was not to have any regulations. Now we're starting to get into <laughs> the technical bits here. <laughs> That's what happens sometimes. We start to plan things out a little bit, you know, kind of off the cuff, and then we realize, wait a minute, that's not going to work. I was going to ask you, because I know from, from this job, for example, when I'm driving in my car and I'm listening to the radio, I'm always 
the program director of a radio station, I might be questioning, why did that person say that? Why did that song play after that song? And things like that. So as an architect, when you're driving around, you look at a house and go, who designed that? What is wrong? Why would they put that there? Why would they move this over here? Do you look at stuff a little differently? Uh, well, I'm not an architect, so as a technologist... As a technologist, sorry. Yeah, no, no worries, just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> um, there are a lot of design decisions that go behind the scenes. Maybe it's the zone or the square footage or the lot coverage, and you had to kind of cut it back, and that's the area you could sacrifice in the design with the parameters that the your client wanted at the time. So I try not to judge the book by its cover. Um, you know, I'm not the best person to pick colors, I've been told a lot of times, by many of the architects we work with. Uh, so I don't judge colors. But yeah, form and shape and character can come out of the box in mysterious ways. And it's not an easy thing to get there. And I'm sure at the same time, you look at other stuff and go, wow, I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you jot it down in your journal and take a photo and... Just goes into the memory bank. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, architecture is subjective. You either like it or you don't, or you him and haw. It's a form of art. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Personal Very opinion. Personal. Yeah. It's something that as I've gotten uh, older, and I've started to develop an interest in it, in architecture, because you go somewhere like Toronto, and Toronto has all these beautiful old buildings that they've completely gutted and renovated and, and made them useful for the, whatever purpose. We don't have a lot of that in, in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland. We tear them down and build something else. But you go to some of these other cities that have history and they, they do a great job. And there's some of these beautiful old buildings from 100 years ago. And just some of the architecture and the curves and the things, it's just, it's amazing. They really built it to last. Yeah, they did. And that's why they still use them, right? I mean, it, do, you, do you like going to big cities like that in other markets and look around like that? Oh, I'd love to travel and, and see some of the Go down to New York or let's go over to England and, and go into a bar that's four times the age of Canada. Yeah. It's been there since the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. That that blows my mind. Monolithic architecture has always been something that's really intriguing. Mm-hmm. John, uh, we talked about some of the services you provide, but on a broader scale, what else do you offer uh, your customers? Services and such. Yeah, we offer uh, drone footage. So we'll go out and do UAV footage of your site or take a whole bunch of photos and stitch it together into a 3D model of the block and arrange Transport Canada applications. We'll work with any zoning or building code questions. If if you're basically thinking of doing anything to your property, a phone call or a reach out would be great. And we can just talk about it. We're more than happy to. Um, we, We meet with a lot of different architects and can work as a drafting service behind the scenes. So we work on a lot of condominiums, townhouse projects. We do work across BC and Alberta. Um, looking to go down into the States as well. And so definitely a broad range. Anything to do with the building area or design, we're in it. Because really that can be used all around the world, your design. Yeah, it could be, yeah. Yeah. We've talked about maybe going into Australia and doing work in there as well. They have... uh, some interesting opportunities but yeah locally we if you have a building uh, any size from a tiny home that's 75 square feet mm-hmm. to you know 50 60,000 square foot apartment buildings we've worked on it all concrete Very cool. concrete buildings wood structure buildings doesn't matter because you're just designing it doesn't matter tilt up steel we've worked with many different structural engineers geotechnical arborists uh, mechanical electrical engineers there's a lot of players that go into a building. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show because you're a first designer on the show. So I was excited to have you on and talk about. No, it's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Now, John, if people want more information about your company again, where can they go? Uh, go to www.thomasdrafting.ca. Give us a phone call.
All right. And Michelle, once again, where do people go to find out more about you and what you do? MichelleCummins.ca.